Lord save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host this week, Zoe Forsey, and this week we've got an awful lot to catch up on. We've got uh, all the latest on the second half of the Cambridge's tour of the Caribbean, and of course all the latest news from the Prince Philip Memorial, including all the uh, opinions, should we say, on Prince Andrew's huge role in, in huge role in the event. I'm joined this week by Russell Myers and uh, Ian Vogler. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for joining me, as always. Thank Thanks you very much. Me. Ian is here by popular demand once again. I know. I, we couldn't get hold of it. I think he was just teasing the listeners because <laughs> he did say he would be involved. And then he went at, he went to do some actual work during Outrageous. the tour. So, you know, he, he's, he's here. How's the jet lag, Ian? I think it's all, it's almost gone there. How's yours? I don't know. Well, you can't moan, can you? Because everyone thinks you're on a jolly when you're in the Caribbean. But it was actually a yep, lot of hard myself work. Included. Yeah, exactly. Myself included. I'm not going to go on about it. But yes, I'm still a little bit tired. But that's all I will say on the matter. So, Russell, obviously, you and I had a chance to catch up briefly for the first chunk of the tour. But an awful lot has happened, hasn't it, in the last since then? And it's so, been so when did we speak? So hold on, I'm just going to say, so track, my, track my mind back. Did we speak on last Thursday, right? No, we had a week off last week. It was the week before. No, we we did. No, we spoke. We 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 spoke. We did. We did. You're, you're confusing <laughs> me now. We did. We did. We spoke oh, when we were in Jamaica. Yes. So I reckon we no we yeah Thursday we we spoke on Thursday. That was it. It was the extremely Morning. chaotic episode that I promised that the next one wouldn't be as chaotic. But based on how the first <laughs> two lied. minutes this one was a massive lie. I'm very sorry. It yeah, so we spoke calmer. on Thursday morning and that was just as we were about to leave Jamaica. So we'd had two and a half days in Jamaica and then we were going to the Bahamas. And I think that is pretty much the crescendo of all the controversy that had sort of dogged the tour because... Just flicking, flicking back um, to it. I mean, in I, I, I think there has been there was controversy. Let's not beat around the bush. There was there were some issues that the Cambridges acknowledged in Prince William's um, end of tour speech or um, statement that he put out, which is absolutely unprecedented. I certainly can't remember. And um, you know, people who have been doing this job as long as Ian will will, will no doubt not recall any kind of statement, Ian, that, that that Prince William put out at the end of the tour? No, I don't think that's ever happened before, is it? You know, and so when you're looking at stuff like this, um, th th there is the, <coughs> excuse me, there is the argument of certain people were saying there was an agenda by the press, they didn't give them a fair shake, of, we didn't necessarily... Uh, promote all the engagements and all the people that were out there to see them. I mean, I would argue severely against that because I was writing all the time. There were reporters at all the engagements. You look at the Royal uh, page on the Daily Mirror website, it was you know filled with content. Um, and of course, part of my job is to write opinion pieces of how I view the situation. And one particular piece that I wrote on the Saturday absolutely came in for some quite heavy criticism, but um, I can only say what I, what I saw. And I thought that that was that the Cambridges, despite being absolutely welcomed, they had a pop stars welcoming in Trenchtown, especially in Jamaica. But I, all, I always felt that they were playing catch up. And when we arrived in Belize, just even before we took off, there was some, some reports about a very small protest about an indigenous group in Belize that were very unhappy that they hadn't been told about the, um, the tour or the visit of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge taking place. There was some issues with the local government that were basically ordering them to stay away from a football field to land uh, William and Kate's helicopter. And so they were rightly aggrieved at that. However, that got quite a lot of traction because obviously we were waiting to go on the tour. And even before the plane had taken off from the UK to, to make that 11 hour flight, that was what was being spoken about. And from my opinion, from the research I'd done from the people I'd spoken to in Jamaica, especially, there is a real big growing anti-monarchist sentiment. And having been to Barbados, 
when we covered the I always call it handover, it wasn't really a handover, like the Republican ceremony when Prince Charles went. Um, there is a growing sentiment that these Caribbean nations will be able to choose or will choose to sort of lay the foundations for their own destiny. And that will include referendums in some of them. And Jamaica is top of that list. And when you look at the, the issues that were at hand, yes, there were small protests, but that is just a snapshot of what was going on against the background of them being, you know, welcomed by hundreds of people in Trenchtown and other places that they went to. I, do, I don't think, and I, and I still absolutely stand by this, that neither KP, the tour organisers, or the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were alive to the fact that they would face some kind of pushback. And that isn't necessarily just 100 people waving placards or some um, sort of activist groups putting out statements, which happened in all three countries, by the way, by the end of the tour, believe Jamaica and the Bahamas um, there were certain organizations putting statements out about slavery reparations about referendums about ditching the monarchy altogether but the issue when you look at the speech um, Prince William made about slavery reparations um, arguably in some quarters didn't go far enough I felt a bit Sorry for him, to be honest, because I don't necessarily think that it's his place to be making such bold statements, apologising for the monarchy's past, because you know, they're not even really his ancestors. There's been you know, countless changes of, of, of the, the British monarchy in, in, those, um, in that period of time. But also, it's, it's surely a, a politician's role, and the government have said that there wouldn't be any reparations, I think, as back in 2015. So... That, that's a really an issue for the British government. But then when he, you know, they got ambushed by the Jamaican prime minister as well, I mean, they hadn't even sat down in his office and he was straight on them saying, so, you know, grandstanding on a platform saying, your visit gives me the opportunity to be heard. And he wasn't going to let that go. And I think a very, very rare instance in the political sphere when you've got the... Uh, the actual party in charge and the opposition who are completely aligned on one issue and that is that the wheels are already in motion to get rid of uh, the, the centuries rule of the British monarchy and um, and to become a republic so you know th this comes about in tour planning and I was quite surprised about that they weren't more in tune with um, with big issues like this um, it's 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 sometimes it's a thankless task and when it all goes well everyone pats themselves on the back and when it goes badly sometimes there are fingers pointed in other directions and one of those issues was was certainly about the decision to allow um william and kate to ride around on an open top land rover wearing tropical dress which looked like something out of the crown and i just thought i just I was absolutely horrified when i saw that and i just thought that was one of those instances that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. And the fact that the palace were then briefing that it was the Jamaicans, um, the Jamaican Defence Force and the Jamaican government's idea, I just thought was an absolute cop out. So plenty to pour over. I mean, what was what was your view on the ground or back here rather? Well, that's what was interesting, actually, and something I was keen to speak to both of you about, because here there was so much criticisms and it, it really did feel all the coverage felt quite dominated. Obviously, there was all the lovely photos and things they were doing, but it was particularly, as you said, those Lamb Rover pictures of when they dropped in the office. I think we all kind of went, oh, that's thing. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the fact they were, you know, the, where they were on the cut. It was the outfits. It was the whole look. And I understand that they were trying to do it to pay tribute to the Queen and Prince Philip. And obviously they are there on the, the tours for the Jubilee. But it just it just felt wrong. And we're just not used to seeing the Cambridges get this level of criticism. But Ian, you were there that day, weren't you? You saw because lots of the photos, obviously, that we had on the website were from you that day. What did you think of seeing that in, in real life? Um. At first, it was the announcer was telling us about this car. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And they sort of hit it around the corner, and I didn't think anything of it until they sort of drove past me with William in his white uniform. I just thought, ah, oh, this just doesn't look great. You know, this is not something that really should be going on. But it seemed to be, you know, something that the... Uh, commandant or the person in charge of that military training camp really wanted. I don't know 
when they go on these tours, there's a party go out before a recce party. I don't know if they were told this was on the agenda or, or not. I'd be interested to know whether they knew it was going to happen. It was just yeah. forced upon them. Well, no, they, they did. And again, I, I think certain fractions were briefing that when we were coming back saying, well, you know, the, you know, the, the Duke of Cambridge did try and push back on this. And he was very aware that this was this dev, dev, wasn't necessarily a good look. And my response was just absolute. I was just dumbfounded by that because he is the boss, right? So the buck stops. Surely with you him. just say no. Surely you just. Of course, yeah. absolutely. And mm. you, that you could. They have. They they paint themselves as modern royals. They've made huge strides in sort of dragging the monarchy into twenty first century. They're more than most, I would argue. Possibly, you know, Harry and Meghan have been um, trailblazers in another sense, but. You're talking about mental health, talking about kids' education, talking about again. Um, I mean, you put Camilla in that as well, talking about domestic violence. But they're they're, they're at the top of the tree as the modern royals. They are the future of the monarchy, and I was just absolutely staggered that that they it was just the the platform was oh it was in homage to the queen uh, the Jamaican and then the kickback was the Jamaican Defence Force the Jamaican government wanted them to do it well. Let's say they were ambushed with it. Okay, we've got to get in this car. They didn't want to make a fuss and it just happened. And if that happened, well, okay, there might be a, a view that you could take saying they didn't want to upset their guests. That would have been rude. They had been asked about it for on the day and they just felt it was appropriate. In hindsight, it was a bit of a PR blunder, <laughs> but you could forgive them for that happening. That is not my understanding. It was well-planned. The recce party knew about it. Uh, Prince William had... Um, voiced his concerns and for one reason or another he was then decided that he would want to do it I mean come on it just looked it looked at me it smacked of a colonialist past um, where there had already been I mean this isn't the first day of the tour there had already been arguments about this tour and the imagery and optics of it I felt quite sorry for them um, when there was a lot made on social media about those pictures in Trenchtown where they were going out to grasp the outstretched hands of children behind the, the metal fence. The match ones. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, you can crop a photo and make a big deal out of it. And, um, you know, Raheem Sterling was there. There was an awful lot of other... The Jamaican bobsleigh team were there. And it was very unfortunate. Um, but that wasn't really what we were talking about. We were talking about the fact that his his speech was rounded upon this the uh, and then and then just choosing to look like an extra in a film and to I mean they could have driven the car themselves they could have abandoned the car they could have walked the line there were so many more things they could have done and I just thought in one sense there was there was too much put on this tour um, that it was a big homage to the Queen. It was all in tribute of the Platinum Jubilee. There was a big thing where they walked down the steps of Governor ha King's house oh, yeah. in the government, the governor's official residence in Jamaica. And they, the palace had given us a photograph. I think it's from 1953 by my memory of the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh walking down with Jamaican dignitaries. And all about this, you know, look at this imagery, isn't it great? Well, the world has moved on considerably in the last two years, let alone the last 60. So there would have been an awful lot of times where William could have paid homage, mentioned that the fact that the, it, the Queen has always had an affection for the Jamaican people. And for the most part, that has been reciprocated. However, times have moved on, times are changing and to almost recognise the fact that Jamaica has, had already been set on a path rather than be ambushed by the Jamaican Prime Minister, they could have got ahead on it as soon as they landed. Um, and neither was that briefed by their team, which obviously happens. Journalists like us travel with the team. It's it's very much like a bunch of journalists, a bunch of political journalists travelling with the President of the United States or Prime Minister. Um, you know, so that, that should come as no surprise. But I, I just felt that the um, the, the team were, were were wanting, were found wanting in um, in certain aspects of that and unfortunately that created this cloud above a tour that was quite well received on the ground I suppose. How much flexibility do they have because obviously there was 
you know, how much flexibility do they have to change the itinerary and things like that once they're there? Because obviously so much planning goes into it. But, you know, when they saw the feedback they were getting back here in the first few days, could they have made a change? Could they have you said of like ditch the car and walk back instead or done something else? Can, can they make changes or is it all set in stone because it's such a, well, security logistical nightmare, I assume? Well, I'll, I'll ask, because Ian and I spoke about this on the tour, and I don't think they should have cancelled that first engagement in Belize. I thought that that set the tone because what they should have done, and to be fair to William and Kate, my understanding is they wanted to go. And it was, again, the Belizean government who said, no, we're going to change it. it it's not a good look. If I was their um, communication secretary or private secretary, I would have said, no, we'll go. There might be a small protest and you might be able to speak to them. We'll send a, we'll send a recce. I mean, what was the worst that could have happened? There was, you know, just a dozen people there. It could. I don't think it was going to grow to an angry mob, but they panicked. And I'm talking about the Belizean government panicked. They cancelled it. It then set the tone for, all oh, right, there are protests. There is a kickback already in this tour of the Caribbean. And because the, the, you know, some of the realms are setting a path to their own future already, it, it, it unfortunately became the, became the tone of what, um, what everyone was speaking. And, and, and people can say, oh, this was bowing to the, you know, the Twitter mob. It, it isn't. This is what people were talking about on the ground. And whether that was in Belize, Jamaica or the Bahamas, the, the fact that it people are talking about it is in the real world, I'm afraid. And and I think that Williams' statement that I come back to proves that, that the fact that he made that statement was absolutely extraordinary. Well, I mean, Ian, we spoke about it on tour and we, we both thought they shouldn't have cancelled it, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, Belize is a very small country. Anyway, I think it's got a population of about 400,000 the size of Wales. So a big crowd in Belize would be about 22 people. And it was in a pretty remote location. So, yeah, they should have gone ahead with it because they handed people a story day one. And don't forget, Jamaica, as soon as we landed, there was this potential, well, this moment happened where the royals, actually, Kate ended up sitting next to Lisa Hanna, who's, uh, as you'll all know, is a former Miss World, now politician. And her party in Jamaica are totally against the monarchy. And she was um, sitting next to the Duchess on that, under that canopy on, on the tarmac. They seemed to be getting on very well, had, a, had lots of conversation between the two of them. So that was billed as like, you know, she's going to meet this, but, but nothing seemed to materialise. They just discussed things. But yeah, I think the whole cancelling that first thing, bad move. It's, it's set people looking for other rabbit holes to go down didn't it well what I kind of as a kind of overarching thought of this tour I just didn't feel it didn't feel very them obviously we've got used to seeing them do the shorter tours where they focus on things they're really really passionate about like Kate with her you know work with children Wills with the environment stuff and this just felt a lot more like a traditional royal tour and obviously they did the the sailing, which was great fun, and we got the good pictures from that. But I feel like the late, the, the last big tours we've had with like Meghan and Harry when they were in Australia, you know, like Harry climbed over the Sydney Harbour Bridge, didn't he? And even when they've taken the Cambridges have taken the kids away, there's been fun like events at playgroup and nursery. It feels like tours have got into a structure of having their own stamp on. And I just didn't really feel that with this. It felt very much like a a traditional tour that perhaps you would have expected to see 20 years ago. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, I thought the fact that this was two, we hadn't had a tour for two years. Um, they haven't traveled since 2019, Pakistan. I mean, and I think that they would have wanted this to be a huge success. I, I just felt there was, there was issues that were glaringly obvious and they didn't approach them in the right way. I just thought the speech was late about slavery. They were trying to make it at this governor's dinner. I mean, I, I, I would have had it in a normal setting. Um, I, don't, I don't know why it had to be, at, um, I can't remember whether, whether that was a black tie do, I think it was, but the, the, the stuff like Trenchtown worked really well and it just got absolutely torpedoed by those pictures. And whether, whether that, I, I don't know, the, the traditional media didn't make a big deal out of that. But when those pictures are being shared, hundreds of thousands, if not probably millions of people saw the cropped uh, versions with the commentary around that. Millions of people would have done. 
you've got to be alive to those things and the fact that they weren't is a you know an absolute disaster because um it's it, that's what you got the plan for the unexpected and if you'd have done a recce properly you would have known that because when we were standing at the other end of that football pitch to a man and woman in the press part of where we were standing having photographed and reported on the the football with Raheem Sterling everybody could see that a mile off and then they did they did a proper walkabout they came out of the football pitch that was you know had this metal fence around it and then they did a proper walkabout walkabout it was and they'd done one before it was amazing right in amongst the crowd crowd going wild cheering for them before they went to Bob Marley's house um and none of those pictures really made because it all became part of the, the narrative that had already been created. And that necessarily wasn't from the people on the ground. And you, in, the, in a world where optics are so important, you've got to be alive to them. And, and I think it came down to experience, to be honest. But let's just put it straight as well for anyone who may or may not have seen the pictures. The fence has always been there. It's around the football pitch. Mm. So in fairness to them, they didn't put that fence up. And people stood behind the fence, uh, even where there's broken bits. People didn't try and climb through the fence and grab them or, or anything. And that goes for Raheem Sterling and Leon Bailey as well, a big Aston Villa player that was there. So the fence has always been there. So, yeah, you've got to ask the question that those that went there couldn't have realised that this might be an issue. There was hundreds of people outside, some of whom could have been shepherded around inside the fence. So that when the pictures were taken, the fence would have just not been an issue. But for whatever reason, that, that didn't happen. But God, the crowd went mad for them, didn't they? As they left that football pitch, going down towards Bob Molly's house, it was about 100 yards from where we were. It was just, they were just carried on a wave of, of cheers and, and happiness, mainly youngsters, wasn't it? mainly kids coming home from school and teenagers it was crazy it was it, and it was it was great and the reporting reflected that that they you know pop stars welcome hundreds of people came to visit them definitely yeah. contrast con compared and contrasted against a, a, a protest of you know, dozens of people i put it about 60 to 100 there might have even been a few more but you're talking dozens of people they made a big noise there had been statements put out by a respected group called the advocates network and so these are live issues in country they are in ongoing issues i mean whether whether edward and sophie will, will face the same kickback i'm not sure because they don't carry this sort of media attention just today, the Prime Minister of Trinidad has come out, which isn't part going to be part of the Wessex's tour, which is happening in a couple, like two, two or three weeks, um, saying that Prince William must offer reparations for slavery. I mean, this is the fallout of the tour continuing. That is the, the, the issue within that part of the world. The, the region is red hot at the moment. And so I think... Um, the fact that, that again, I'm saying, I'm repeating myself. The, the fact that they weren't alive to, to what was happening, um, and just said it, it, their team was saying, well, they're aware of the protests. Well, no doubt, the protests were on top of the biggest news websites in the world. They were being covered on the ground. The local media was covering them. So I, again, I, I'd, I'd face push back on that on social media, saying, oh, you, what you, the, the local media was absolutely glowing of its references to the uh, to the couple wall-to-wall -wall coverage well i think they were pretty fair like we were we we reported that there were great engagements there were good messages being put through but obviously there was this vein running through the tour that was um that was picked up and uh, and if you can't see that then i'm afraid you're just not being objective but i do think he managed to if not you know, not win it back. But I do think he managed to get some points with the statement at the end of the tour, which sounded to be, well, to me, it read like him saying, right, we're going to do it, you know, you know, looking more to the future and how they want to do things. How did that drop? Because obviously we were surprised by it in the office. How did you two come to hear that he was going to be putting this out? Were you given much notice or did it just drop in? No, I don't think there was much notice at all. I mean, um, certainly, I'm just trying to think of the 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 embargo times of it. I mean, I know it was published on social media, and we and we did get it a few hours before that. It was on the Saturday, wasn't it? 
So, yeah, yeah it was, I mean, it was a good few hours. I think that they, it was very well considered. I mean, my own view is that certainly that would has to would have had to been put through the queen's uh top advisors and certainly clarence house as well would have had sight of it because the again what you said at the top of the show that was absolutely unprecedented that a royal would put out a, uh, a statement giving an assessment of how the tour had gone um and it was very well considered i mean uh, the, the the fact of and it's not that long so i'll read it William said, foreign tours are an opportunity to reflect. You learn so much. What is on the minds of prime ministers, the hopes and ambitions of school children, the day-to-day -day challenges faced by families and communities. I know that this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and the future. In Belize, Jamaica and the Bahamas, the future is for the people to decide upon. But we have thoroughly enjoyed spending time with the communities in all three countries, understanding more about the issues and what matters most to them. So, I mean, in conclusion, he said, um, Catherine and I are committed to service. For us, that's not telling people what to do. It's about serving and supporting them in whatever way they think best by using the platform we are lucky to have. It's why tours such as this reaffirm our desire to serve the people of the Commonwealth and listen to communities around the world. Who the Commonwealth chooses to lead its family in the future isn't what is on my mind. What matters to us is the potential the Commonwealth family has to create a better future for the people who form it and our commitment to serve and support as best we can. I mean, let's just take a moment there because he is saying it, it doesn't matter who runs the Commonwealth anymore. It's always been presumed that it would be the leader of the monarchy. Well, Charles was actually voted overwhelmingly by the leaders of the of the Commonwealth countries to be the, the new head of the Commonwealth. It was certainly the Queen's desire that he would be, but it wasn't um, his God-given right. And, and I don't, I think Charles will end up being the last monarch to lead the Commonwealth because William has given, so he's got to open, open the goal almost to say, you know, I, it, it doesn't need to be me. And that will probably, I suppose, help him solidify support because they are fighting for their survival. And I think he, he does realise that. They've got to move with the times. They've got to be aware that no tour like that can happen in the future. Even, even if there are protests, even if there is kickback to whatever it is, it can't be a throwback to a bygone era. They do need to move with the times, which they've been very good at. Um, but you, you need to be able to be the modern face of the monarchy. And, uh, and I think by, by saying this extraordinary statement, then, then you know, they, they, they've safeguarded their future. You can't go from playing football with Raheem Sterling one day and Leon Bailey one day to two days later recreating a scene out of the crowd. It's just, it's yeah. just not happening anymore. No, because again, you, you wouldn't have got the... Somebody will correct me now who's got much better uh, historical knowledge <laughs> than me, but I don't believe you've got instances of the Duke of Edinburgh or certainly the Prince of Wales, you know, having a kickabout on a dusty football field with a group of local kids. So the fact that they do do this and get involved is what makes them appealing and is what will, again, safeguard the future of their relationship with the Commonwealth nations. It is going to change, whether that is all of the next 14 rounds, mm -hmm. maybe 13 after Jamaica goes in the next... Um, uh, but, but, I mean, the, the, the Royals have said this themselves privately. I know that the conversations they've had, it, it, talk about the Queen's sadness. Well, I think Charles and William are very, very pragmatic about this. They, they know that it's up to the, the people of those individual countries to decide their own future. I don't think there is that level of sadness that the Queen might have had, sort of reflecting on, the, on her past 60, 70 years um, in the chair. Uh, it's a different world now and, different, and definitely things are changing and um, they, they, they necessarily weren't really alive to, to the fact that that was happening. And again, I just want to reiterate, that doesn't detract from all the good things that went on. The, 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 William's speeches were well received. Kate's were well received. Um, they, they got to talk about the issues that were important both to them and both important to, to the country. Environmentalism, kids' education, you know, bigging up teachers, saying, um, talking about s s slavery, expressing his profound sorrow 
I, I think I, I was, I thought that was a good speech at the, when, I, when I had heard and, and read it. Um, you're always going to have people that are very, very passionate about it and didn't think it went far enough. But, you know, I, I definitely do think tours will be very, very different in the future. So just to finish on a bit of a positive then, away from the negative stuff that happened, what were, what were your highlights of being there and being there on the ground? Ian, what was the standout moment for you? Um, I'll tell you what was quite, I loved, actually. It was right at the end of the tour on the last day. A few of us went to Grand Bahama, which is uh, an island in the Bahamas because there's quite a few. And uh, we went on a visit to a children's home. Um, lots of children there, mixed abilities. And there's, there's a residential home. And one lad, uh, he was in a wheelchair, he basically decided that William, whoever William was, I don't know if he really even understood who he was, whoever William was, he was going to make him work and <laughs> do things with him. So yeah, he, he made him play football. Uh, he made him take him on the swings. He made him take him on the obstacle course. And he just kept shouting at William to do more things and do them <laughs> faster and quicker. It was, it was great fun. I tell you what, if the Commonwealth's down to a penalty shootout, Prince William is, well, he can't score a goal. In Trenchtown, <laughs> they must have set him up five times in front of a goal with no goalkeeper and he missed everyone. Oh, no. I thought that was... Oh. That last thing at the children's home, it was, it was, it was really nice. He, he, he really got in with the kids. And then on the last day, went to Coral Vita, which is, and later in planting some coral. Fantastic. It sounds, they sound like great engagements. And as you said, the ones that perhaps didn't get, unfortunately, due to everything else, didn't get the, the kind of publication that others did. What about you, Russ? Yeah, Trenchtown was an obvious hit. Uh, uh, the atmosphere was absolutely electric pop stars welcome um and yes it, it was a little bit sad i suppose but there they, there were some great there were some great moments I, again I, th I i think that certain parts of the press really went to town on the um and again just a bit of give a bit of context went, went to town on the scuba diving pictures and they're great looked amazing when are you going to see the future king and queen scuba diving on massive coral reef speaking about environmental project however it wasn't an official engagement and i i, I want to give some people some context here because william and kate are there at the behest of the queen the behest of the british government and it's the british taxpayer who picks up the bill ultimately right and the fact that there was, wasn't an official engagement that we were asked to be involved in um and they put it out on social media and they're having a bit of downtime. Well, unfortunately, the, again, the optics of that aren't great. There's a lot of people struggling, a lot of issues within the world at the moment. It was the day of the budget in the UK. Um, the cost of living crisis is going up. And does it look great when the future king and queen are on a jolly uh, in, um, in Belize, in beautiful waters, having a gay old time? And it just looks a bit, you know, it just looks a bit, a bit odd and so um so yeah there were there were issues but i, I do i do think that the, the tour had some some really great parts as well and i'm sure when we go in the next time it will uh there will be some things that will be done differently let's say that definitely a, le a learning yeah opportunity, learning if nothing else let's try and try and think that and russell i hear you made less of a fuss this time ian didn't well, have to <laughs> Take you for any, take you for any hospital tours. I didn't time. get hospitalised, no. I mean, but... Uh, Always a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ian didn't have to extend his trip by two days to, to look <laughs> after me in a hospital bed. But yeah. Uh, yeah, thank heavens for small mercy. For anyone that thinks... I'm not, I'm not asking for any sympathy here because I won't get it. And anybody that thinks this is a great big old jolly, on that last day, I got up at five o'clock in the morning went here, there and everywhere to Grand Bahama and backwards and forwards and delayed flights, got home on Sunday afternoon about two o'clock in the same clothes I've been wearing at five o'clock Saturday <laughs> morning. They, it's so intense because of the travelling and so forth, you know. And, and the Royals just kind of rock up immaculately because when you're on a minibus for two hours, you're in a helicopter <laughs> for 10 minutes, aren't they? But we must request the helicopter. We must... Yeah, I'll, I'll try that. that. I know. Yeah, yeah. If any I think the person orders helicopters at the at, uh, at the mirrors on holiday. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know it, it is really interesting to see them up close and and personal and uh, you know to see what happens. 
and I guess standing as you said you never get to see photos of the other side of it do you and I guess maybe you guys don't look quite as you wouldn't want to stand quite next to them I guess in terms of how smart they all look if you've been on a minibus for four hours it's possibly not <laughs> good but right so the other obviously a big thing to talk about this week was Prince Philip's memorial service and um, now obviously the big takeaway line from this was the decision to have Prince Andrew so heavily involved which we will talk about shortly but Ian you were down there in the morning weren't you what was the kind of atmosphere like as it built up to the moment that the Queen arrived? It was really lovely actually, there's quite a lot of people across the road with flags and uh, and waving flags and cheering and then there were royals from all around Europe turned up, they had uh, from Spain, from Belgium, from the Netherlands, we had politicians across all parties, English, Scottish, so it was a very lovely atmosphere actually, it wasn't too sombre, it wasn't, you know, incredibly lighthearted, but even like the younger royals all seemed to be really pleased to be there and to take part in it because obviously the funeral was so incredibly different. It really was. Now, Russell, talk us through what happened with Andrew because obviously on the order of service, which we got the day before, Andrew was due to come with his daughters and they were due to come, take their seats before the Cambridges, before uh, Prince Charles and Camilla and before the Queen. And then he just, we saw the pictures of him leaving Windsor in the car and then he just arrived with her. What, what happened there? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people in the congregation and certainly a lot of people watching that on the live BBC feed were, were staggered. I mean, no surprise that Prince Andrew probably would have got in the car to escort the Queen from uh, Windsor Castle to Westminster Abbey because they live literally just down the road from each other. He, he lives on the Windsor Estate at Royal Lodge. However, um, you know, and this is, again, my understanding of the, um, from being briefed from, from several parties, that there had been an issue prior to the memorial service that Prince Andrew had offered himself, he's offered his services to escort the Queen both from the castle to the Abbey and that he would accompany her walking up, um, walking through the gangway, the aisle of Westminster Abbey through the side door, take her to a seat, and that there was some kickback. And the kickback was certainly from the Prince of Wales and Duke of Cambridge, that they were quite aware of the optics, having uh, the Duke of York having just settled his £12 million uh, court, out of court settlement with Virginia Dufresne over those sex abuse allegations. Uh, I mean, that is still very, very fresh in the memory, not only of the public, but the family. Um, and they were very, very aware of what that would look like. However, again, it was a, a family occasion, the memorial service, despite being attended by 1800 people at Westminster Abbey, there was no military uniforms, there was no huge ceremony, nobody was giving uh, a major speech, it was all by had been done by the Dean of Windsor. So the, the, so, so the, the thing is, um, it was his father, and he was essentially, they were laying him to rest because of the uh, COVID restrictions back in April when um, when the Duke of Edinburgh died. So there is, that, of course, that argument that he is a grieving son. The Queen is a grieving widow. She is a mother of four children that were also there um, in the capacity of, of saying goodbye to a dear loved one. However, you're not just a mother, you're not just sons, you are the, the monarch and they are representatives of the royal family. And especially when you've got two future kings there who are already delivering some kickback. Um, where again, my understanding, um, because of the story that I've written today, is that the queen overruled Charles and William and see, she said, this is the way that I want it. And I think that really hammers home who is the boss? If it was ever in doubt that the Queen is the boss of the family, she is the one who made that decision. But I think that the um, the unhappiness and unsettlement was the fact that Prince Andrew had put himself in that position. And somebody I spoke to, you know, who very, very well connected yesterday, said that they believed Prince Andrew was manipulating the situation. That is exactly the language that was used. And, and that's, a, that's a really strong word. It is. It's a very, very strong word because this is, royals, yeah. this is his family and this is him trying to push himself, as he did in the immediate aftermath of the Duke of Edinburgh's death. He was front and centre, wheeling himself out, ready to speak to those cameras. And that did not go well um within the family at all 
And again, the other the other issue is he still believes. Again, I speak to people close to him all the time throughout the whole debacle of this court case that had been long running, and they were still saying he believes he has still uh, got a place to. He's still got a lot to offer the royal family. He still believes that he is a young man. I mean, he's sixty two. He has still got ambitions of serving um in a role of public service serving within frontline royal duties so he's not willing to sort of lay down and die and sort of disappear into the background and i'm sure a lot of the other members of the family would wish that he he would do that but that is that is not what he wants to happen um he feels he hasn't had to admit any guilt he's paid this money in order to make this go away for for the Queen and the rest of the royal family because that's what happens in a lot of civil cases it was brought in America it, that that and that's the that's the um, part of the course. But I mean, I would not bet against him. You, know, there is people within the royal family saying there is zero chance of him having a, a front and centre role within the jubilee. I mean, do not bet against him. Nobody would have thought that that would have happened yesterday, and yet it did because the Queen wanted it to happen. Whether he will appear at Thanksgiving service at St Paul's Cathedral, I think it's June the third. Well, certainly within that June weekend. I mean, obviously he will appear in that. He may have another role uh, to play. Will he walk the Queen in once again? Who knows? Will he appear on the balcony at Trooping? Maybe he will. So don't bet against anything at the moment, because if there's one thing that we know, it's uh, that Prince Andrew's reputation precedes him. And if um, if he's got anything to do with it and has an, the Queen's ear, then, uh, then it, we might just see him playing a bigger role than, than we thought at the moment. I just found it completely staggering because I know that obviously it's, it's a family, you know, it's a family event and he was there as uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's son. But while it was a family event, it was a very public family event. It's, I don't actually know who paid for it, but I'm assuming it was taxpayer funded. It was live on the BBC. It was attended by everyone. You know, it's not a private small gathering to remember him. It's the, it's the world saying, paying tribute to him. So it's, I just, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. I still think I'm a bit, you know, a bit taken aback by it. Cause it just, as I said, him being there was always going to be a big deal and something weird, you know, we'd already had, you know, meetings in the office about how we were going to cover his there. And then when they got in there together, it was just, we, were, we all just didn't really know what to say. What did you think of the decision, Ian? Well, I think if you replay, I'm just replaying it all in my little head now, you think some of the optics were clever in a way. Obviously he was going to be there and that was going to happen. So he went in with the queen round the back kind of away from the majority of cameras, but there were still cameras there. But then entering the front as a last minute addition, unscripted, you've got, we knew Prince George was going, we were told that, but we didn't know that Princess Charlotte was going. So you wonder if there was some sort of decision, right, if we give them George and Charlotte at the front, will that detract from the Duke of York at the, at the back of the cathedral walking in with the Queen, or the, the Abbey? Well, of course it won't because he's with the Queen. So you've got to wonder whether someone thought, okay, well, if we give them this, maybe it'll detract from the other, but it was the standout picture. I just can't, I just can't comprehend it. You know, what goes through his mind that he just, he just won't sort of stay down, will he? He just keeps coming back up, you know, as if nothing ever happened. All that didn't happen was he didn't turn up with his, you know, with, with the Duchess of York. That would have just really confused everyone. I think that would have been a touch too far. Fergie comes waltzing in, my word. Yeah, I don't think the Duke of Edinburgh ever was in, was that fond of... of no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that was happening, but yeah, it was. But it was, a, it was a lovely moment to see Princess Charlotte at this event, and George as well. We see a little bit of George. It's the first time we've really seen... Charlotte do anything in this sort of public forum apart from a uh, couple of christenings and whatnot so that's something to look forward to more of the very young royals isn't it yeah and that was really lovely actually because like you said we have seen George but we, we saw him at the Euros and we saw him at the Six Nations but this is the first time we've seen him in very formal 
royal duty. You know, he's he's done the fun ones. He got to do the football mm. and the rugby, didn't he? But this is kind of the formal side of it. But yeah, seeing Charlotte there as well. And also uh, Mia Tindall. And there were lots of really cute moments of seeing them there. And again, it was nice seeing Kate and William. You know, they walked in hand in hand. And I really like it when they took them and they introduced them to the clergy, didn't they? And Prince George just had this big old grin on his face. There were lovely photos of that. Um, and yeah, it was just seeing, you know, there was a moment, I think, Kate whispered to Charlotte at one point, like she looked a bit nervous, like you can smile, it's okay. So there were just these, you did see those lovely personal moments, but I think my favorite moment from it was, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but obviously they had the cameras around the Abbey and there's this moment where Princess Charlotte obviously was looking round and saw herself on one of the screens and had that moment, you know, like you notice you're on telly and she just kind of like, you just see her go, oh, I'm on, everyone's looking at me, which, you know, there were these cute little personal moments as well. Yeah, there was lots of that. It's a big moment to put a, a, a youngster like that basically in front of live television. I'm sure that uh, William and Kate were praying as hard as they could that they didn't do anything untoward, but you know they're very well brought up children, I'm sure. They are, and they are a bit older now, I guess. But um, Russ, were you surprised not to see Louis there considering they bought the other two or still too young? Just a kid, isn't it? I mean, he's uh, the, 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 you can trust Charlotte and and um, and and George. I, I, I remember when, that was quite a while ago. That was at Louise Christening when she said to the photographers, "Do you remember when she said you're oh, not yeah. coming in or something like that?" <laughs> she should have said that to William just as he walked yeah. past him. <laughs> yeah. So if you notice in the pictures, you don't see Charlotte and George next to each other. There's either side of their parents. And I mentioned this to someone who's involved in the security aspect. I said, why don't they put Charlotte and George next to each other? Is George a bit naughty? And he said, no, you're getting that the wrong way around. Apparently it's Charlotte that's <laughs> a little bit cheeky. Yeah, maybe she sticks up for herself and won't take yeah. any nonsense from, from her older brother. Yeah, I do, <laughs> do see her as a bit. Yeah, because she always seems a lot more confident, doesn't she? Yeah, it was lovely to see them both. Um, and also they all wore the green, which was lovely. Or not all of them, but the Queen, um, Princess Anne and Camilla were all in the green outfits, which was lovely. Uh, Kate had a lovely... Edinburgh green, it's called. Edinburgh green. I mean, uh, you're you asking for my fashion verdict. Well, um, I would love both of your fashion's opinion. However, I will also say that we have a bonus episode coming this weekend where Scott Wells, who is the stylist at OK Magazine, which is our sister title, is um, we've done a big full episode on all the fashion from the tour and also from the memorial service. So not that he has any more, you know... <laughs> just a fashion editor however i'm going to give you my two pennies worth i really liked do you, do you know what she was wearing the dress kate at the at the abbey oh i i have got the name of it written down because i'm just well, we'll save it for the bonus episode i really yeah. liked i loved the look that's all i will say very that's nice it. i thought it was quite diana-y it was it was nice that's hat, nice hat terrible well. that's about that's about it yeah, no, it was good. And actually, Scott had some fashion tips for you two as well. We were, we, were comparing, we were comparing well, Edo and Jack's looks and can the double-breasted laser. I will just say, um, we're talking about fashion tips. Um, Ian was wearing a very fetching scarf when we were in the Caribbean, keeping him very cool under under the oh. heat. It, was, uh, it didn't get mentioned at all, did it, Ian? Oh, people kept going on about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did go with the army a few years ago. I was in Afghanistan with the army. And this guy said to me, this is a good trick. You wear a scarf around your neck and it stops you getting sunburned if you forget to put your sunblock on or whatever. Yeah. So I wore this scarf, which I wear in the cold. I was wearing it in the hot. It's only a thin cotton one. And a lot of people did sort of jibe me about it. But, you know, <laughs> but you I didn't get sunburned. You didn't get sunburned. And for the yeah. Abbey, I mainly wore Marks and Spencers in case... Anyone was wondering. Yeah, he's going to be sponsored by this time next week. <laughs> so, just really quickly, then, obviously, the other kind of talking point from the day was obviously the uh, absence of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who we knew they weren't going to be there, but there was still lots of talk about their decision not mm. to go. And also, I think myself included, were a bit surprised we didn't get a statement or anything from them, just kind of marking the well, day via. I know. Well. I mean, you normally can't keep them away from making statements about you know, issues that have nothing to do with them mostly, but this would have done. And I think that it would have been, 
it would have been entirely appropriate. I mean, but London's a dangerous place, apparently. So you can't, you, can, you know, it's difficult to come over. I think it's a very bizarre argument, this. I think that um, certainly Harry will have regretted not being there. I know that there was a, someone in the armed forces who was speaking quite eloquently after the service, knew Harry, said that he thought he would regret it as well. But he's going to be in the Invictus Games in The Hague, just a short, less than what, an hour's, less than an hour's flight from here um, in the Netherlands in a couple of weeks. It just seems an absolutely bizarre decision to have made. But they've backed themselves into a corner with this one. And I don't think it's one that they're going to win because the Home Office already said that, of course, they would have been provided the, protect, the necessary protections. And this was a, you know, absolutely case in point that this they would have had security if they decided to come to a family event such as this. And of course, the, the, all the Platinum Jubilee stuff will be family events. There'll be loads of the royal families going to the Epsom Derby, going to Trooping the Colour. So... I mean, maybe they will have to concede about the fact that they've taken them to court just seems absolutely ludicrous. And uh, and I think I'm sure that um, some, if not all, of the family would have liked to have seen him there about his choice. Yeah, it was a real shame. Like I said, I can't, apart from what well, was probably their wedding, actually, was the last time we saw the full gang yeah, together, yeah, all the roles. And we've never seen them with all the kind of new addition of the children. It did just feel like there was a part missing, which was disappointing. And I'm sure it would have meant meant a lot to the Queen and the rest of the family to, to have his support there as well. But I think that's about all we've got time for. But quickly tell us what we've got coming up this week. Well, I can't tell you that much, to be honest, because Aww. there is a, there's, a, there's a lot of embargoed things going on. Um, obviously, there are there are still big things going to happen with spring tours and whatnot. There's a lot of planning going on behind the scenes. Um, so you just have to watch this space. Well, that's no fun whatsoever. But thank you both for joining uh, me today. It was great to catch up. As I said, listen out for that bonus episode if you want to hear all about the fashion from both of the events this week. And also some of Sophie Wessex's New York fashion, which I know was a few weeks ago, but we couldn't not mention it. Um, so follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Pod Save. And until next time. Pod Save the Queen! <laughs> <laughs>